Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Offside Rule podcast with myself, Lindsay Hooper, and I'm joined by... Kate Borsay, hello. And Kate Borsay only. Oh, it's oh, little old me. Only two voices. So <laughs> Hayley McQueen is off this week. However, we will have a third voice appearing at some point, Ooh. won't we? We've gone for a Women's Super League player. Um, in fact, you'll have seen if you've been across our Offside Rule Pod Twitter account and keeping across the website as well at offsiderulepodcast.com that Jill Scott will be talking to us. We've got Twitter Topic of the Week with some questions from our listeners. We got plenty in, didn't we, Kate? We certainly did, so we'll be asking Jill, grilling her even <laughs> later on. And we might even get her to take part in um, two of our topics. Because we've got Jill on today, we're just going to do two topics. So uh, just to tell you what's coming up, we're going to talk about this brilliant story, Kate, about <laughs> Joe Kinnear. I loved it. It was actually courtesy of our uh, editor, Ed, this week. Editor Ed. That's an interesting one to say. Um, anyway, uh, Ed found this great story to do with Joe Kinnear. It's all according to the Sunday people. We must point that out before saying any further but apparently as director of football at Newcastle he went to go and do a bit of scouting at Birmingham now Newcastle earlier on in the season had loaned out Shane Ferguson to Birmingham Joe Kinnear goes watches him and thinks we should sign him of course he's already signed to Newcastle (laughs) Um, which we thought was a get your coat moment so we will be asking for more when you just thought, oh no, awkward. What, what a clanger. Yes. We'll also have a foreign roundup, courtesy of Lord James. She's going to round up everything league up. And uh, <laughs> I love, you hate it when I do that every week. Every time it comes round to Law's turn, she's like, oh no, the French are going to be squirming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joe Hart. Joe, Joe Hart. I'm Fraser Foster. Fraser Foster. You're listening to the Upside Rule. We get it. We get it. We're going to start today with turnarounds in fortune. So we're calling this Turning It Around. Uh, Feel free to join in with us as well. Uh, You can get your suggestions to us via Twitter. And also we've got a Facebook page too. Um, This is all courtesy of Newcastle. A bit of a Newcastle theme on the podcast this week, isn't there? There certainly is, yeah. And um, I've got a couple of teams here. Before we go any further, one player who hasn't turned it around yet. And it was a great result for Spurs. Two all against Manchester United. And it was an entertaining game, wasn't it? But poor old Soldado. Now, Soldado could not stop scoring for fun in the Spanish leagues. Mm -hmm. He looks so frustrated now. And I think Mm. his head's dropped. Well, after he had that early miss in the game, he went and kicked the advertising hoarding. I was like, surely as a footballer, being that your feet are worth, are, are your most valuable asset, really, why are you kicking the football hoarding? And he seems to me, Lindsay, now this is a theory that I've come up with, it's the curse of a footballer with a name that could have been a Ford car model from the 1980s. So you've got your Ford Soldado, same could be said for Hernan Crespo, your Ford Crespo as well. He didn't work in the Premier <laughs> League either. And perhaps the model that goes through water well, the Aqualani, the Ford Aqualani, Alberto didn't work particularly well. <laughs> and the Ford that's particularly in- industrious, the Ford Deco, he didn't work in the Premier League either, did he? Although Deco's done okay. Deco. I know you're saying Deco, but I'm (laughs) saying Deco. (laughs) We can both play this game of naming rhyming teams. Uh, So it seems like there is a French slash Newcastle theme. Newcastle, as we know, they had a bit of a dodgy start to the season. But they went on, they've won four in a row recently. And it made us think of other examples from any league 
any country. We want two each where a team's really turned it around and we were trying to keep it within this season. Did you manage to do that? I did, yeah. I found three, actually. Oh, go so on I'll then. steamroller through go on, them. Go on. Let's take the championship, first of all, and Leeds. Now, forever, Leeds are haunted by the ghosts of past success, aren't they? They're a huge club right back, if you look at the Don Revy era from the early 60s, well the way through to the next decade. Two titles, numerous FA Cups, through to the success of the early and the late 90s as well. So they're haunted by that. They had a terrible September. They might have started the season okay this season. They had a terrible September. They lost all but one game all month. They exited the League Cup as well. In October, it got a bit better. They lost two and they won two, but November's been so much better for them. Uh, apart from this weekend's loss to Blackburn, uh, 1-0, that that one Brian McDermott's side definitely motoring forward have definitely turned it around they're now eighth in the championship but they're third in the form table which is really important they were down to 15th after that terrible run of form they were down to 15th mid-October um, and uh, they really turned it around and also you know um, rumours too that Red Bull want to buy them outright so if that happens and if their fortunes continue to prosper who knows where they could head from here and as we remember Hayley McQueen she had her face in her hands for those first few reports where we asked her to give us an update on our adopted teams because she thought the James Beattie effect would be great. Now, at the beginning of the season, the start of their form was a bit disastrous. It was awful. They lost six league games <laughs> at the start of the season and Hayley, we didn't half river for it. Well, poor old James Beattie wasn't beating anyone, was he? No. Uh, but instead of just being sort of manager making decisions, he decided the player manager role he'd take quite literally and just get on the pitch himself and he started, started to turn round. <laughs> um, so from Saturday the 12th of October, they've gone eight games unbeaten, including wins against Bristol Rovers and Morecambe. It's lifted them off the bottom of League Two. Um, and as we record this, they're 19th in the table and they've just lost to Northampton 1-0 again. So hopefully it's not another slippery slope. But considering they were bottom of the league, that, that's a bit of a turnaround for them. So in League Two, hopefully Accrington and James Beattie just for the sake of Hayley McQueen not having to cry <laughs> come the end of the season when we ask for our adopted team's <laughs> overall results. Just so she can save face. Uh, I'm going to go to League One and have a look at Preston. Um, a very drab start to the season. They start off with four straight draws in the league. They crashed out of the League Cup, but they then went on to win the next five league games on the trot. Now, what's interesting about Preston, as I'm sure many people will know, is their manager, Simon Grayson, he, of course, used to manage Leeds, who I just spoke about. He's got every team in League One that he's managed promoted so Blackpool in Leeds at the second uh, season that he was there. Huddersfield after he was there a matter of months. So very much the man to get you out of League One. Uh, it's looking much better for Preston. Wolves should have had him then. <laughs> no, yeah. we like Kenny. We like Kenny. <laughs> I've got a brilliant joke coming up uh, on Wolves later on, by the way. It's one of those tumbleweed moments, oh, I'm sure. Don't over-egg it. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, he's now at Preston, Simon Grayson, hoping to do the same for them. They were in 12th after that very poor, boring start to the season with all those draws. Uh, the recent run of forms taken them up to fourth. Uh, they're currently, as this stands, uh, we record this, of course, um, before the midweek games. They're currently in third, so bit of a turnaround for League One's Preston. Quick mention for Sevilla in La Liga. They registered three losses and just two draws from their first five games of the season. They went down to 20th 
in the league after that. Few blips, but they've worked hard to turn it around. They now sit in eighth after winning against Granada at the weekend. They're sixth in the form table, so Sevilla also have turned things around. I'm glad you went abroad because for my other team, I've gone abroad too. I've gone to Serie A and I've gone for Genoa. And they, in the league, they only won one of their first seven matches. Bit of a blip and start, mm. not, not great. They then won one, but then lost their neck. So everyone's thinking, is it going to go downhill again? And at the end of October, they were in 16th position in the league. But since then, and it isn't the most brilliant form results, but they did have three wins and two losses. Mm, definitely so better. It's definitely better. It's definitely an improvement. And it moved them, because of the results everywhere else in Syria, it moved them up to seventh and fourth in the form table, which means that they're really picking up, starting to gather a bit of momentum. So Genoa wants to watch mm. for turning it around. Have you ever seen anything like this? I'm Ricky the Hitman Hatton, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. We get it. Women talking about football. Do me a favour. The next topic that we are going to talk about is the Joe Kinnear, which I, I mentioned at the start of the show, moment where he tried to re-sign a player that was already at Newcastle. This is according to the Sunday people. Um, Shane Ferguson, who's on loan at Birmingham, apparently really took his eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this is, if this is true from the Sunday people, by the way, what a brilliant story to break. I didn't see that anywhere else. No, I just didn't. in the Sunday people. Um, it made us think of other get your coat moments. Go on, Kate, get your coat. We've had a few between us. Oh, the yeah. night out, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually me. I usually have more than Kate, in fairness. If you can even remember where, where you've left your coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but we'll keep it to the football, shall we? So some more get your coat moments. We've got obvious ones that I can use to try and spark off some mm. inspiration for us. So like the Ashley Cole shooting the the trainee. That yes. was a funny one at Chelsea, wasn't it? That was, you know, get your coat, Ashley. It wasn't particularly funny for the trainee, was it, poor lad? No, but I think he got quite a lot of compensation. <laughs> I don't think he's got to pay for his student loan, oh, put it like dear. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought about the one from this season, um, Manchester United. If you saw this story, if you're a big red fan like Hayley McQueen is, she got rather excitable the one day. Uh, they accidentally confirmed the signing of Robert Lewandowski on their website. That never happened. No. Would have been better than Fellaini, I think. I'm glad she's not here today, by was the that way, that I can say Wishful this. thinking from the guys who run the website, do you think? Or was there a genuine sniffle? Well, apparently yeah. sometimes if you forecast and think things enough, if you've ever read the book The <laughs> well, Secret, positive, positive thinking, <laughs> it can make things happen. Maybe that's what they were doing. <laughs> OK, well, if you see some bizarre statements on the Offside Rule Pod <laughs> website soon, guys, you yeah. know exactly what I've been up we're to. We're going to the States soon. <laughs> Um, talking of get your coat moments, I thought, well, the natural person to link this to is your Wolves manager, Kenny Jacket, because yes. if he ever goes, get your coat, Kenny Jacket. <laughs> oh, that's your joke. Brilliant. Oh, well done. Bum, bum, bum. Couple more here for you. And I know you mentioned this. God, must have been coming up a year ago now on the Offside Rule podcast. Diana Ross, the opening ceremony <laughs> for the 1994 World Cup. The epic miss, five yards from the goal during her performance in the opening ceremony there. Uh, yeah, she would just want to get her coat. And uh, she even she even wore some trainers as well, didn't she? To sort of increase her chances of hitting the target. It didn't work, though. Uh, <laughs> we, we have, that is a personal favourite of the yeah. Offside Rule podcast. Oh, yeah, love we it. love Absolutely that one. Love we roll one. it out all the time. <laughs> um, I, I thought as well, one about getting an eyeful, I suppose it's more of an embarrassing moment than an awkward one. Yeah. But Nicholas Hellenius, who was at Aston Villa. Sounds like a Greek god. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like helium. <laughs> um, uh, he lost his shorts uh, during oh. a challenge from oh. Spurs' Jan Vertonghen. Um, but properly, it was an elite 
League Cup match and his shorts came down and the photographers who were all obviously waiting for that one shot, they didn't miss it. So mm. I'm afraid he wasn't spared his blushes. Mm. Very funny moment. You can see that picture if you Google it online as well. It was Aston Villa versus Spurs in the League Cup. It's a bit like the Superman pants moment, isn't it? Last season, I think it was. Um, talking of getting too much of an eyeful, there was an Ivory Coast player um, up against uh, Egypt in the um, final, I think, of the Africa Cup, uh, 2006. Um, he he was uh, really he really needed to go to the loo, basically. So he uh, on the pitch popped his shorts up <gasps> and uh, had a little wee on the pitch. In some countries, he'd be arrested for that. Well, no one wants to see that, do they? Um, here's one for the history books. Bob Stoko, uh, he was the manager at Sunderland, uh, who were a second tier uh, or a second division outfit back in those days, 1973, when they won the FA Cup. Uh, they beat Don Revy, who I've mentioned before. Old Don. Beat Don's Leeds. It was a huge result. And so excited was Bob Stoko. He, he he sort of ran across the pitch, which you would expect him to do. Only his attire wasn't so much get, get your coat. It was what a coat. He was wearing a red tracksuit <laughs> with, with a kind of Columbo-style Mac over the top and a Trilby hat when he ran across <laughs> the pitch. I just You just wouldn't see that kind of thing anymore. But I, I, I basically urge football managers, please go back to the old-style tracksuits with some sort of trench coat over the top and maybe a nifty hat. Let me say as well, never have a bad fashion day around Kate Borsay <laughs> because she will remember it forever. <laughs> she will never let you forget because she's just got that... That fashion look. I'm going to hold on to my other one because I think we should move on to Twitter topic of the week. And you never know, Jill Scott might have one to oh, share yes. as well. And then I'll share my my one that I think is the best one that I've found. Okay. Twitter topic of the week. Lots and lots of questions coming in. Uh, it's time to dial up Jill Scott, who's up in Manchester. Thank you very much for coming on the Offside Rule podcast. Um, I'm going to start with Girls Sport Talk, Jill, because they're asking, how excited are you to be playing in Sky Blue and what is it that drew you to sign for the club? Yeah, I'm um, really excited. Obviously, I don't get started till January because uh, we're in a bit of an off-season at the moment. Uh, but I just really liked what Man City had to offer uh, great training facilities, uh, training pretty much every day, uh, and they just seem really ambitious. Uh, they're not a, not a team that just want to kind of be in the league. They want to kind of push and try and finish as a top three team. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it um, and can't wait to get started come January. And we've seen some other signings happening over the last couple of weeks as well. We know that Tony Duggan will be joining you as well. Uh, you must be quite thrilled to have a few England teammates uh, arriving there. I know, I can't get rid of Tony at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, f- Tony's a fantastic player. Obviously, I've had the privilege of working with her at Everton and she's very professional and, and really has a winning mentality, which will really give something to Man City. Um, and the same for Cameron Bardsley as well, uh, better known as KB to me, but um, a real commander, real real leader and a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, so, yeah, two, two great signings and... As I say, it's just just exciting times, really. All right, Jill, we've got some more uh, tweets here that we've had in for our Twitter topic of the week. Um, at Eastlander21, Scott Murphy um, has asked, bearing in mind the other signings that we've talked about, Tony Duggan, Karen Bardsley, what are your realistic expectations for your first season at City? I think a few people's asked that and they've kind of compared us to Liverpool last season with us obviously making a couple of signings, but I think it would be 
really difficult to say <clears throat> we're going to go into the league next year and, and win it. Um, I think it's something that it's kind of going a bit into the unknown. Um, I do think we'll we'll have a good squad, but to say that we're going to go there and, and win the league is, is a little bit unrealistic. Obviously, that, that would be fantastic, but I think it's just about kind of taking it one game at a time. But I'm sure if next season uh, we don't finish where, where we want to be, then I know the club has, has plans in place um, in order to better that the season after. So for me at the minute, I'd, I'd probably say definitely a top-half uh, finish and then anything better than that would, would be a bonus. You're very popular on Twitter Topic of the Week this week. Nick Stonebridge has also sent in a question. He said it was obviously a hard decision for you to leave Everton. What's been the highlight of your time there? I think I know that uh, tweet. I think that's someone from, from up home. Um, oh! <laughs> I think um, it was it was fantastic seven years for me. Um, I was I was honoured to, to captain the team last season. Um, and I think when, when I first came into the Everton team, um, Mo Marley signed us and I, I was playing for England under-19s at the time. So the time in which I've been at Everton, I've, I've gone on and earned over 70 caps for England. So um, it's been a fantastic time for me and I, I feel like I really developed as a player there. Got to play in two World Cups, two European Championships, an Olympics uh, with England and Team GB. Uh, won an FA Cup with Everton and, and made really some fantastic friends that I'll keep um, even though I'm moving clubs. So, yeah, fantastic memories for me. But I just think sometimes it's, it's time for a change, um, as hard as that can be. But I think you have to always challenge yourself in, in order to make yourself a better player. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. So around about this time last year, Jill, you were um, very open about the fact that you wanted a bit of time to make up your mind about whether you'd be uh, leaving Everton or not because obviously there were opportunities around this time last year as well. You decided to stay with Everton. What's kind of changed for you in the last year that's made you then decide to make the move? I think my decision last year, obviously we lost a a few players who uh, decided to move on for their own reasons and I didn't really just want to leave because everybody was leaving I. I believe that Everton is a good club and I'm sure that we'll do well next season. Um, and then getting the chance to be captain was, was fantastic and really thought that if we got our head down and, and worked hard, then we'd have a good season. We didn't really finish where where we predicted that we would finish, but they were just a fantastic set of girls to, to work with. Um, so I think this time round... Um, I don't know, I just think I had thought about it last season um, in the time, but it just didn't feel right. Whereas I think this season coming into it, as soon as I heard that Man City were interested and I listened to their plans, um, as difficult as it was leaving Everton, I just I kind of just got this feeling that, that the time was right. Um, so I, I did kind of base my decision a bit on instinct. Um, whether that will turn out to be right or wrong, I, su- I suppose you can never predict the future, but I'm willing to take that risk and hopefully it'll come off. Our final question from Twitter Topic of the Week comes from Ingrid Green on Twitter, who says, what do you plan to do when you can't compete as a footballer anymore? I know, someone, always, <laughs> someone said it was when it had been announced I was leaving Everton, are you hanging your boots up? And I was like, well, not yet, I'm only 26. So I think some people are writing this off already. Um, but I, ha- I have thought about it a little bit more this year about what I'd like to do when I finish playing and I've just recently started doing uh, my own coaching uh, soccer school and I've really enjoyed like working with kids and I think I'm like a big kid myself sometimes so I've really enjoyed just playing football with them and, and trying to help them as, as much as I can so I think these past few months of doing that 
uh, I've really found an interest in that and I think that's something that I'd like to do when I finish. Okay. Uh, well, we're also going to get you involved with a topic that we've been discussing, Jill. Um this has been an interesting one. It's get your coat moments. We're talking about Joe Kinnear trying to sign a, a player that was already signed to Newcastle. Um, so I'm going to just give you mine because we've held on to, to a couple each. So this is this is mine. Um, it was another loan move. It was from West Ham to Real Madrid. Um, do you remember a French right winger called Faubert, either of you? Yes, I do. Yeah. Julien. Yeah, yeah Julien. Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was um, not exactly a sparkling success for the Hammers. He made a £6 million move from Bordeaux in 2007 but then he was hampered by injury he hadn't really played much he struggled struggled to make an impact on the pitch and then stories started surfacing that Real Madrid were interested in signing him no one could really believe this they're like what so people laughing it off left right and center that's never gonna happen it's football gossip but ex-Spurs boss one day Ramos actually did sign him for Real in January 2009. Cost him £1.5 million for the rest of that season and he had an option on that contract to buy him at the end if he impressed. We think, oh, that would be really funny if we could just end the, the story there. But no, the story actually gets worse because it doesn't end there. Rather than actually taking the once-in-a-lifetime chance to impress at Real Madrid, this player, Faubert, then decided he'd missed training because he thought he'd been given the day off. He then was famously pictured asleep on the substitutes bench during the match against Villarreal. Oh, dear. And he played two matches before returning to Upton Park when his loan move ended. And then, of course, the Hammers wanted to get rid of him as quickly as possible as well. Get your coat, Julian. That was get your coat. Mm. (laughs) How about you, Jill? Have you got any? Um, I think one thing that made us laugh was um, at a Sunderland match when can you remember the beach ball incident? Oh yes, yes. Oh, yes, I can. As a, uh, as a as a Liverpool fan, I jolly well can. <laughs> well, I can as a Sunderland fan as well. And <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad the goal stood, but obviously I can't remember who it was who had the shot, but. Um, I think Raina had had the beach ball covered at the time, uh, but he wasn't looking at the actual ball, so I'll probably have to give that one. Um, another one was a video on YouTube. I'm not too sure of the teams, but it was a goalkeeper. He saved a penalty, um, and he's celebrating to the crowd, turning round, but the ball actually had a bit of backspin on it oh. and ended up going into the goal as he was celebrating. I so. picked that one out a while ago, that, a few episodes oh, ago. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. It was a foreign keeper, I'm pretty sure. But it was really yeah, funny. Well, I've seen that YouTube clip, yeah. What about last season against Chelsea, Jonathan Walters scoring two own goals? Do you remember? We oh, took yeah. the mickey out of him for ages. Headed two crosses into his own net, then missed a penalty in the same match as well. Yeah. Get your coat time, Jonathan Walters. Can I just ask you quickly, Jill, because you are tall, and when I met you for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I thought, my goodness, she really is tall. Do you have any nicknames? Either when um, you were younger, because you used to run a lot, didn't you? You won the London Mini Mini Marathon, I noticed, at the age of yeah. 13, which is pretty good. Any nicknames that you'll be taking to Manchester City ladies with you? Well, I've been, I, I used to get called Crouchy because of, <laughs> because of my height. I'm hoping it's just my height. Um, and I think I did do the robot celebration oh. in my first game when I scored, which I think I've regretted ever since. Um so, yeah, I'd probably have to say that one um, in relation to, to being tall. Uh, but I'm hoping not to not to take that one with us. Can we set you a challenge now on behalf of the Offside Rule We Get It podcast for next season? When you score a screamer in the FAWSL, <laughs> will you run over to the corner flag and do something round there? 
Oh, as, wow. a, as a goal celebration, and we'll know we'll know about it, and it'll have been on here first. Right, you'll have to you'll have to tell us what to do, and you've got yourself. Okay, I'll have to dream dream up something, something around the corner. What well, could I we get? Jolly the... well, I hope we're not asking Jill to gyrate around the corner. For <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like as if it's a, a dancing pole. Oh, poor Jill! I would just say no <laughs> if I were you. You I don't get all off for that. I've just been in an appearance now where there's like a fan zone before the under 17s game, and there's loads of football challenges going on. And I didn't win one football challenge, but then I did win the dance-off against all oh, well. the dancing mascot bears. So I, I tell you what, I know what to give you because I've seen you at the FA Women's Awards and you are a bit of a mover on the dance floor. Did you Do you remember the Kate Lawler moment in Big Brother where she holds up her one leg and spins around? Do you know what I mean? Oh, God, I don't, I'm not ask, flexible. You can't ask Jill to do that. Yeah, I you get your one leg. If you can, if you can try, but don't give yourself an injury. Can I just say, bearing in mind, Jill is so tall that she's got a very high centre of balance. You're asking her to stand on one leg and spin around. Well, if she maybe, scored a screamer, she won't worry about it. Maybe I could get one of the girls to hold my leg. Yes, now that'd be or do the wheelbarrow that you used to do when you were at school. You and one of the girls. I'm going to end up getting subbed off in this. <laughs> <laughs> I get Jill off. She's gone crazy. Oh, thanks so much for joining us, Jill. Thanks, Jill. N- no worries. And best of luck for next season. Hope all, uh, all the training in January goes well. Thank you. Lovely to hear from Jill. And I bet she's great to have around the England dressing room and the Manchester City ladies dressing room from now on. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, we should get our roundup of all things French. Ligue 1. You go on. You say it. How do I meant to say it? Ligue 1. Okay. Um, we're going to get that <laughs> update from Laura James. There's good news for Arsenal defender Laurent Concielny, girls, who has just been cleared to play for France in the World Cup and every single one of the games after FIFA only gave him a one-match suspension following his red card in the first leg playoff against Ukraine. The disciplinary committee decided against a longer suspension rather than an automatic one-match ban. Life's tough for Ligue 1 teams. Florian Tovon, who moved from Lille to Marseille in the summer, was targeted by his old fans in Lille Airport ahead of their Champions League tie on Tuesday night. His club's coaching staff even waded in before a brief scuffle broke out in the arrivals lounge. Neither Chelsea nor Arsenal are expected to do much business in January, but both have noticed Adrien Rabiot's skills. The 18-year-old PSG midfielder played for Man City's youth side, and now with pace and a 6'2 aerial threat is certainly one to look out for. The January transfer window is expected to be relatively quiet in Ligue 1, although that doesn't stop paper talk. Premier League target André-Pierre Ginac has decided to stay at Marseille and will not be leaving this January, despite interest from clubs including West Ham. The Hammers, however, could be closing in on Buffetin Bigomi, as Lyon president Jean-Michel Aulas confirms the club has received bids and one from the Berlin ground would be welcome. Has there been trouble in paradise? Claudia Ranieri has been quick to rule Falcao out of contention in games in Monaco over a slight thigh injury, but the repeated sidelining has sparked rumours of a fallout. Lastly, Arsene Wenger, a regular guest on Telefoot, has summarised his thoughts on the Ballon d'Or on the programme, calling it a commodification of the individual, which goes against the essence of our sport. Wonderful words from Wenger. Thank you very much to Law. So we're whistling around this podcast for episode 17. We'll welcome back Hayley McQueen next week. Have you enjoyed it, Kate Borsay? I have. It's been nice just us two, hasn't it? Yeah, a bit, not bit cosy. I, not that I can do without Hayley, of course. It's nice to have a third person in. No, we need, as referee we need McQueen else. in our life. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you next week. Bye-bye. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay.